How many times have you wished your kid came with a manual? When we are unsure as parents, there are so many conflicting opinions that it's overwhelming to know which way is best. Even when we're intentional, situations change, which require us to be flexible and remodel our styles to meet the needs of our families. I created this podcast to share principles and strategies that I have used in counseling and education to help parents prioritize authenticity, connection, and purpose with their kids. Welcome to Remodel Parenting. Hey everyone, welcome back to Remodel Parenting. We're so grateful for you listening to our podcast, following us, interacting with us on social media. If you are enjoying this podcast, make sure you send it to your friends, rate us on Apple Podcasts, follow us, and give me feedback. Shoot me messages or emails. I love to hear from you. I'm continuing and finishing up the Cut Yourself Some Slack series, and this is our 30th episode. It's hard to believe that it's been 30 weeks and 30 episodes uh, connecting with you all. Today we're talking about there's no certainty in doing things right, which is a topic that I've been sitting with lately. Um, As a parent of a tween and a teen, my kids are 11 and 13, and I've been reflecting a lot on what I didn't know before I became a parent. I feel like no matter how much you do know, there's way more that you don't know, and the more that you prepare, the more usually you prepare in ways that you either don't end up needing or your kids are just completely different, right? So I've been reflecting on what I didn't know, and I've come down to one of the things that I was not expecting as a parent, and the thing that has caught me the most off guard, is that I never really thought through the fact that I would not ever get to sit as a parent and think, oh, I am definitely doing this right. That there's zero certainty in any methods, even if they are well-intentioned, if they are on purpose, if they're motivated from the right place, if everything is lined up so that it should be right, we really don't get to see the outcomes and results until way later. It's the whole hindsight is twenty twenty thing. And maybe one day we'll get to look back and see all of the things that went right and probably a lot of things that went wrong. And I always joke with my kids that at some point, they'll probably need to talk to another counselor about me and um, that I'll help fund that, you know, if they need to. (laughs) And it's a joke in our house a little bit. And we laugh. I talk to my kids even about that, that I don't get to know if what I'm doing is right either. We're doing the best that we can. But it really is a hard place to sit in, in reality, not knowing if the things that we're doing are working, if there are places or things that we're missing, if there are blind spots that we don't know what's going on, if when our kids get quiet, maybe there's a place that they're, you know, disconnecting. There's so much that can go on inside about really wanting to do it right and just not being able to get that. So I don't know what maybe your thing as a parent has been that you wish you had known ahead of time. But for me, that's where it is right now. I wish that I had just practiced a little more before I had kids of sitting in the ambiguity of not knowing how things are going to turn out and did a little more practice internally to, to rest my stress and some of my anxiety about that. There really is a lot of stress in wanting to be accountable to raising good kids and good humans. Um, when your kids are struggling with something and you don't know if it's a one-time thing, if it's a phase, if it's a foreshadowing of things to come, if it's a deep issue that you're just seeing the start of. So often kids show things early on and, um, you know, you hear in other people's stories like, oh, they should have seen it coming because this is how what they were like. 
But that's a really hard place to sit as a parent because you only actually get to say that in hindsight. You only get to look back and see the whole story in the rearview mirror, not as it's actually happening. And we know that when you are looking at things that your kids are struggling with in front of you, if you don't address them, it's an issue. But if you address them in ways that are overdoing it or that are more than what's needed, that can be just as frustrating, difficult, and cause as many issues as it you know, fixes. An example that I always like to show is empathy development in kids. Um, empathy being the actual physical practice, like the the verb part of connecting with someone else's pain and struggle. It's the ability to kind of step into someone else's world and see what's going on with them, to connect with it, to walk in their shoes a little, and to, for lack of a better word, to care about what someone else is experiencing. Well, one, empathy... It's not the same thing as sympathy. It's not deep feelings. It's not pity. It's not taking on the feelings of someone else. And it's not something that's overly natural. Kids are very concerned with their own experiences and their own um, experience in the world and everyone connecting to that. At toddler stages, they're what we call egocentric. They only understand the world through their own lens. But let's be honest. We all know some adults who still maybe struggle with seeing the world from somebody else's lens. So empathy is one of those things that there can be some personality components and some natural things that build healthy empathy in us. But that's not the only thing that gauges our empathy. It's practice. It's learning how to stop, how to think about someone else's experience, how to share concern for that. It's really practical skills. Well, when a kid, you know, when you've got a child who's maybe six, seven, and they are not very empathic kids, um, I hear all the time from parents the fear, oh my goodness, is this an issue? Um, is this going to turn into a bigger issue? What if my kid never cares about anybody else's experience? Am I doing something wrong? And all of the internal storm that happens when we wonder what do we do with this and how do we handle it? The truth is empathy development in kids is different for every kid too. There's a lot of it that is just developmental. Kids' brains develop in ways for them to think at different rates. And while we have some general guidelines, some kids get there a little later or a little earlier than others. Um, and, you know, some kids' personalities just kind of fight against it too. So we we don't really, the first few times that we see something come up in our kids, we ask the question of, is this just a phase? Is it developmental? Will they, will they get through it? Or is this going to be a longer lasting issue? That's the natural process for parenting. But for some of us, that process can end up turning into the internal storm of really needing to know if it's something I need to deal with at a deeper level and move it forward. And we start to really get afraid. And fear takes the driver's seat of parenting and starts this storm inside of us of, am I a good enough parent? Is this my fault? What if I don't do the right thing? What's going to happen? And our brains can go into crazy places when that's going on. We ask the question, is it, you know, is it right to ignore it right now? Or do I need to address it directly? And is this something bigger? What's the tipping point? At what point do I know that it's a big enough deal to talk to someone else about it? Oh, so much, right? Um, one of the things that I get the most concerned about and I look for when I'm working with parents directly is the cultural kind of, for lack of a better word, brainwashing that has gone on that really has given us the idea as adults that we have way more control over things than we actually have. Now, don't get me wrong. 
I am, I tend to lean in this direction myself. I am more likely um, to act and to, I have a bias towards action. One of my very good friends and colleagues told me one time, he said, you have a bias towards action. So that's a really nice way of saying that I just tend to like respond and do things. Um, and he laughed. He said, well, at least it's, a, you know, it's an intelligent bias towards action. <laughs> so we want to address and do things, handle things. Um, or sometimes if it can even come out in a different way where we feel like we can control something or we should be able to control something and we don't feel like we can. And so it can kind of shut us down and make us go inside. But in the news and media across our country, even just in the language of how things are presented, you know, in the, in the past, if you look at old, you watch it crime dramas, or if you, um, if you look at old, you know, crime stories and you see tragedies that happen, the language that even news outlets use to describe things when, you know, a younger adult or God forbid a teen or a kid committed a crime, the the pain and the confusion, what causes this, you know, it's so difficult, that kind of thing. The shift to this day of whose fault was it and whose job was it to keep that from happening? And we are consistently inundated with the spin and the idea that everything that happens can and should be controlled. And it gives this sense across the board. Everybody just kind of lives in a, in a deeper sense that bad things shouldn't happen, hard things shouldn't happen. And if they do, someone is responsible and should be held accountable for them. Now, again, I'll say, it's not that that's 100% wrong. The truth is, is that intentional living, intentional parenting saves a lot of issues and it absolutely can prevent a whole lot of problems. But when that becomes the thing that we seek, we have to control and mangle every, you know, wrangle everything down so that it is in control and we can control everything that is happening or the results from that. It really gets us messed up internally. It really doesn't feel good. And we start to respond out of places of fear and out of, um, out of other problems. We absolutely have responsibility in all things that we do in intentional living, value-based living, knowing what's important and living in that direction and letting um, truth and values guide that is so important. But power and control is a whole other situation. Um, one of the examples that I use is the current pandemic that we're all still working under. When COVID nineteen hit, and when the U.S. started locking thing, you know, locking down in March of twenty twenty, I told my husband that we could already see as mental health professionals that the mental health ramifications of this pandemic would far outweigh the physical damage for years to come. And those are from a few things. One is isolation and um, and fear and difficulty, even in situations where some of the questions and fear and concern completely validated. It's a hard thing to live under for a long period of time. But the other thing that we saw was this perception of a level of control over something that we really did not have a lot of control over. And as a society and a culture, we don't do very well with tolerating uncertainty or ambiguity or sitting in places where we are not, we don't have the ability to make changes and do things to make stuff work better. So 
there became, you know, there's there's a response to that all the way around. Everything from people, you know, rebelling against it to people completely folding inside of the fear and moving towards all fear-based engagement and action to people feeling really, really responsible if they were, quote, doing everything right and they still got sick or a loved one got sick. The mental battle for all of that is so hard on people that from at an individual level, but also as a societal level, we'll be reeling from this for a long time. And mental health professionals across the board are talking about how to engage and intervene and help at all levels, but especially looking at helping kids and adolescents who are growing up in the middle of this. Now, what does that have to do with parenting? I mean, everything really. Parenting is as much cultural and societal as it is individual. We can't avoid being influenced by the culture that we live in. It impacts the way that we do things um, from a larger level. And so there's a really big difference in parenting from a place of certainty and rightness and making sure that you do everything right versus humility and connection and trying the best and being able to sit in the spaces that we just don't get for sure's in at this point. So the bottom line is if you find yourself, whether it's temporary or whether, you know, this tends to be your cycle anyway, if you fall into kind of the spinning space, the tornado in your head of what if I'm doing this wrong? What if I've missed something? What if I screwed it all up already? What if it's too far gone? One of the things that you have to remember is that taking care of yourself and your mind space is one of the most valuable gifts that you can give your children. Maybe it's not the direct interaction with them, but what's happening inside of you is affecting your kids all the time, no matter if you're telling them what it is or not. If you feel a lot of pressure to do everything right, and that's the mode that you work out of, it tends to produce a level of Um, unrealistic expectations on kids and in kids, um, or sometimes kids fight back against that and it can produce the other. Um, But keeping yourself balanced and looking at what's my process and how do I calm the storm inside when it starts to feel like a storm? That when things start swirling inside and I start feeling out of control or I feel realize that fear is taking over, my job there is not to buckle down and try to control it more you know, put my spin on it and make sure that I can get it as controlled as possible. It's really to take stock of what's happening inside of me, that my responsibility to my kids is a duty to act um, and be accountable to what is driving me, that I have to train them and discipline them, but I also have to show them an adult who's checking my processes and patterns and showing them a way that they can live healthily as they grow into adults too. We don't have control over everything, and we can't always choose interventions and decisions that are going to get the outcome that we want. Even good choices with our kids don't always produce the outcomes that they're supposed to produce, because again, our children are whole people in and of themselves. So something that works and that's a great engagement for one kid to teach a lesson may fall completely flat with another. We don't get to know all the time that we're doing it right. And there's no certainty in the moment that we are. We have to adjust our measuring stick of what is right and what is what we get to categorize in ourselves as kind of winning at parenting. 
and shift it to being very present focused. Am I engaging right? Am I present? Am I engaging intentionally versus outcome focused? I have to get the right results because we are dealing with people and not tasks. But if we put the burden on our kids that you have to do all the right things so that I know I'm a good parent, suddenly I've made them responsible for my feelings of security, my feelings of rightness, my feelings of being okay. And that's not a weight for them to carry. I have to look at the process and say, am I living intentionally? Am I doing this by a value system? Am I being humble? Am I being a real person? And am I engaging in every moment in a way that connects to my kids, allows them to connect to me with, with no real ability to see what all the outcomes are going to be? I know that consistency is key. So even if my kid keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again, my win is in the consistency of my attitude and demeanor and behavior. It's not a win just based on their outcome of fixing it. Again, I hope you've enjoyed this series on cutting yourself some slack. I look forward to hearing from you guys on one of our social media platforms or through our website, theremodelproject.com. Thank you for listening to Remodel Parenting. If this has been helpful for you, share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss our weekly episodes. You can visit theremodelproject.com to sign up for our email list and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 